Just curious. You can show this by way of hands. How many of you here know, I'm not gonna call on you, so don't be afraid to raise your hand. How many of you here know what a creaster is, the term creaster? You know what that is? How many? Uh, I would say about 80% of us do not know what a creaster is. Now, there are no creasters here today. Let me say that. We are here on 4th of July weekend. A creaster is someone who attends church twice a year on Christmas Eve and Easter, hence the term creaster, okay? Another term for those kind of folks are called CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. But Christmas Eve is a gigantic service here at Second. We have tens of thousands of people flood into our worship centers. We come there, we sing songs, we hear the Christmas story, and we light our candle to celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, today is not Christmas Eve, but it is 4th of July Eve. And tomorrow, we will gather with friends and families and we'll eat and we'll watch fireworks as we celebrate the birthday of our nation. One of my dear friends in this city was born in a communist country. He spent the first few parts of his life in this, in this country in very oppressed, very depressive situation. And his mom, behind the scenes for many years, was secretly planning and saving money and strategizing on how she could somehow escape with her family from this communist country into the United States. So finally the time came, in the middle of the night, they snuck out, got on a boat, and after many, many days and weeks and months, found their way to America. When I got here, my friend went to school, went to school, he went to work, and he has built a, quite a, a nice life for him in this great country. And I, I see this guy regularly, and, and many times he'll say to me, he'll say, Ben, you don't realize this, but America is the greatest country in the world. Uh, and so the great thing about living here in Houston is that people have come literally, like many of us here from all over the world, to settle in the United States, to settle in Houston. And so many times, uh, some of the greatest Americans that I've met are those who have, are first-generation Americans, like my friend. I have another buddy of mine that he's only lived in our country for six years. He's not a citizen yet. He comes from a very impoverished background in a third world country. And he said this to me a while back. He said, you know, in my country, you can just survive, but in America, you can dream. In my country, he said, it's just survival. It's just surviving one day at a time. But in America, he goes, I can actually dream and have a plan for myself and my future. So, if you're here today, you were born here today, or you got here somehow, some way, um, you have won the geographical uh, lotto. You've won the lottery. And I'm very proud of our country. I'm very proud 
uh, to be an American, humble to be an American, if you would, uh, in this land that still values freedom, freedom of speech, if I can say that word, freedom of speech and freedom of religion and freedom even to protest uh, when necessary. So um, tomorrow, sometime in between the barbecue and the swimming pools uh, and the fireworks, I want you to take time out, just take a time out to remember who we are and what we stand for as Americans, uh, to respect our flag and to respect those who have given their lives that we might enjoy the fun and the freedom and the fireworks on the 4th of July and to rededicate ourselves, if you would, to being the best citizen of this nation that we can be. We have a responsibility to this country, but we ultimately have a responsibility to Christ. If you are a Christ follower, you're a Christian, our ultimate allegiance and our responsibility is to him. And I like that word responsibility. It's a great word. Think about it, just break it down a little bit. You have response, is that the first part of this word? And ability is at the second half. So response, ability is all about our ability to respond. Get it? Yeah, so God has given us this ability to respond because there's so many things in our life, so many things, so many circumstances, so much that happens to us in our life is out of our control. Life deals certain cards to you and certain cards to me and we've got to play the hand that we have. So no matter where you are today, no matter what's going on in your world and what's going on in your life, you have response ability, the ability to respond to God in this moment, in this time in your life. Christ told a lot of stories. When he was here on earth, he told a lot of stories and he asked a lot of questions. And one of the stories he tells is found in Matthew 25. It's also found in Luke as well. But if you have a Bible, you can open up and up, open up to Matthew chapter number 25. I'll get there in a second. Matthew 25. When I was a little kid, I would read through the New Testament. I would start in Matthew. I'd read a little bit at night and go all the way to the end, you know, eventually to the book of Revelation. I'd start over. I didn't tackle the Old Testament because it's way too long and too confusing. But I can remember as I made my way through the New Testament using the Living Bible Translation, getting to Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 and thinking to myself, wow, how can I do that? Man, that is an incredible challenge. That is a load of responsibility 
that God is placing upon my shoulders. And one of those is found in that story in Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about the guy who was a businessman. He had these three servants or employees, and he gave each one of them amount of money. He gave one man $5,000, another man $2,000, another man $1,000. He said, hey, I'm going out of town on a business trip. I want you to invest my money when I'm gone. Do something with it. Months pass, the guy comes back. He brings in his three servants. He said, okay, first guy, I gave you five grand. What did you do with it? He said, I doubled it. Here's 10. Second guy, I gave you two grand. What'd you do? I doubled my money too. Here's four grand. Then he comes to the last guy that he gave $1,000 to and said, I gave you a grand. What did you do with it? And he said, listen, I was afraid. I know you're a tough guy, you're a tough boss, and I didn't wanna lose your money. So I buried the $1,000 in the ground. It's safe and secure, and now I give it back to you. Sorry about the mud on some of the Benjamins, but here it is, here it is. So what do you think this boss, this business owner is gonna say to this guy who merely saved $1,000. Look at verse 26 in Matthew 25. His master replied, wicked man. This is Jesus talking here. It should be red letters if you have that in your Bible. Wicked man, lazy slave, since you knew I would demand your profit, you should have at least put my money into the bank so I would have some interest. Take the money from this man and give it to the man with $10,000. For the man who uses well what he is given shall be given more, and he shall have abundance. But from the man who is unfaithful, even what little responsibility he has shall be taken from him. Throw this useless service out into the outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, have a nice day. Many times when Jesus was addressing people who wanted to be his followers, when he was addressing people who were kind of stonewalling him and giving him the Heisman, he did not mix words. And in this case, and through the teaching of this story, he calls all of us to take extreme ownership of our lives. Extreme ownership. It's a phrase I heard coined by former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink. Extreme ownership, own up, take responsibility for the talents and the time and the treasures that God has given you. We all have Different amount of time, different amount of talents, different amount of treasures, different stories we bring to the table. But as we bring those to the table, as we put them before God, God 
wants us to be responsible. He's given us the ability to respond, to respond to his grace, to respond to his word. And he wants us to take extreme ownership of our lives. In the martial arts world, many of the martial arts you practice, whether you're talking about karate or taekwondo or whatever you're doing or jujitsu, they have a belt system. And in jujitsu, the belt system goes from white belt all the way to black belt. A white belt is a beginner. They don't know anything. And they have to learn the skills, the training. And if you're good enough, you move from white belt to blue belt and you train as a blue belt. And if you're good enough and you stay on the mat long enough, then you can move to a purple belt. And then finally, if you work hard and sweat and toil, you can move to a brown belt. And if you work harder and you're still around, you still can walk and talk, you can make it all the way to enter the dragon, a black belt. So the thing that's cool about martial arts is that there is a system, there is a, a pattern of growth. The same thing is true in your relationship with God and, and when you wanna take and begin to take extreme ownership of your life. We all start off as white belts. We can't stay a white belt. We've got to progress to be a blue belt. We can't stay a blue belt. We've got to move to purple, purple, brown, and maybe in God's grace and timing, we'll be a black belt spiritually, maybe. But we can't stay stagnant. And one of the reasons we stay stagnant is we don't take responsibility for our life. We don't take extreme ownership of everything that God has done and can do in our life. Why not? Well, we like to blame other people. It's not my fault, it's someone else's fault. It's not my fault, it's my circumstances' fault. It's not my fault, it's who my parents were. It's not my fault, but, and, and we like to blame, 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 blame. Circumstances, people, it's not my fault. That's the opposite of extreme ownership. That's the opposite of this parable that Christ talked about being a faithful steward, a responsible person for what God has given to us. He wants us to invest. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. And we do that by taking extreme ownership. Look at your family. If you're a dad, if you're a husband, if you're a mom, you are responsible for the spiritual health and the health of your family. That is your job. That is your responsibility. And you have to grow in that. We grow by taking, again, extreme ownership of who I am, who you are as a parent. Now, a lot of the, the fruit of that it's not your responsibility. You raise your kids, you love your spouse as best you can, and then that's in God's hands. And so many times, so many times in parenting, we get stuck right here, right here. So 
wherever our kids are, if you have two kids, three kids, 13 kids, whatever, you grade everything about your parenting and your ownership on where they are at this point in time in their life. You can't do that. So many kids are always in the white belt stage. You're not progressing yet, okay? So you can't judge things, but you have to take ownership and say, hey, by God, this is who I am as a husband, as a spouse, as a mom, as a dad. I take ownership of that. How about your future? If you're here and you're a, a student, whether you're in J high, senior high, or college, or grad school, man, you have to take responsibility and extreme ownership of your future. I know it's hard to figure out, well, how in the world does, you know, algebra and philosophy and grammar, how is that gonna affect me five, seven, 10 years from now? How is what I'm studying now? Listen, what you're doing now in a time of being in school and preparation matters. It matters greatly. It's an opportunity for you to invest, for you to grow, for you to progress in your life before God and others. Take extreme ownership of that, of your future, because what you're doing now will affect what happens in your life in the future. Do the work that's on your plate right now. Take responsibility for what's on your plate in your life, in your school, in your studies, in your activities right now. Also in your faith, your faith your relationship with God in Christ. We have to take extreme ownership of that. If we're gonna progress from white belt to blue belt and purple and black, we've, we've gotta say, we've gotta put ourselves in the right position so that we can grow. We, we've gotta be committed and say, hey, listen, on the weekends on Sunday, I'm gonna be a part of worship. I'm gonna be a part of a Bible study class. I've gotta dive into God's word. I've got to pray, I've got to obey, I've got to work, I've got to respond to what God is doing in my life in this moment. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to stay right here. I want to go, I want to grow, I want to progress. So to do that, we've got to say, hey God, I want to take extreme ownership of my growth. I want to put myself in the right position to receive your grace and mercy that I can make a difference with the one and only life that you have given me. Extreme ownership. The gospel is all about extreme ownership. You know, God just doesn't say, he doesn't shout at us down, you know, from the upper balconies of heaven, take extreme ownership or else, else, else. What does he do? God enters into our world. He sends his son. Christ takes extreme ownership for us, we're made in his image. Christ goes to the cross. He takes our failures, our mistakes, our guilt, our shame upon himself. He takes extreme 
ownership on the cross for us that we can be forgiven, that we can be reconciled to God, that we can be in relationship with him and that we can begin to take ownership for our lives in the various areas and places that we find ourselves in this journey called life. God takes extreme ownership of us. He gives us mercy and grace and forgiveness and opportunity. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his church, his community where we can do life together. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us. He's with us to the very end. So that's good news. Good news. The message today, the challenge today from God's word is not go pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? That's, that's not it. The message is to look at yourself in the mirror and, and say, God, help me by your grace and mercy to take extreme ownership for my life. By your power, by your mercy, by your help, I want to grow. I don't want to stay stagnant. I want to respond. Thank you for giving me the ability to respond to you in this moment where I live. Are you? Are you taking extreme ownership of your life before him?